0: Do you have a question about your home? Call Ken the Contractor. A
1: few weeks ago, you were talking about cat urine, and you had said professionals use white vinegar. Do you know how much you would use of vinegar to water? We built a home 20 years ago and thought we were putting in the best windows at that time. But ever since, we've had leaking of air around and under the window.
2: Is there anything we can do? I recently had a water softener installed.
3: Okay.
1: And
2: my daughter now complains that the water doesn't taste as good.
0: Do you have a question? about your home, inside or out, call Ken the Contractor. Hi everybody, welcome to another hour of Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is right here to deal with the issues that are important to today's homeowner. I'm Jim Britt, and if you'd like to be part of our program, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975, that's 800-614-2975, or email your questions to our website, that's KenTheContractor.com. Question
3: for you. Do you have issues with indoor air quality? Yes, I said indoor air quality. Do you have excess dust? How about pollen? Problems with pet hair and dander? How about high or low humidity levels? Moisture on your windows? Especially as you move into the wintertime? Are they causing mold? Mildew? How about static electricity? You zap people as you get up and touch them? All these are signs of indoor air issues, and they can all be handled in different fashions. And, folks, most of us just don't give that any consideration. We simply deal with it. We get a little dripping water off the windows, a little green mold that picks up or creates is created on the windowsill. We just don't think too much about it. We clean it up and go on about our business. I'll tell you, more and more people today are dealing with what is considered an indoor air quality issue, especially if you happen to have asthma or other respiratory ailments where indoor air or just air quality in general can affect your breathing or your general health. What's happened in the industry over the years, and I talk about this constantly and as a builder, I strive to do this too, is we want our homes built tighter and tighter and tighter because we're paying to heat them, we're paying to cool them, but what... As an industry, we tend to forget about is the fact that the tighter they are, the less fresh air we have in that home. What we're doing with our systems is we're constantly recycling the same old air over and over and over again. And we don't give a lot of consideration to ventilation. So whether you're looking to build new, to remodel, or just trying to resolve some problems that you may have right now in your home, I want you to think a little bit about air ventilation. Now, the EPA and other federal agencies have done extensive studies on this. We can go back even in the commercial world back into the 80s and 90s where uh, some of these uh, names we've heard called sick building syndrome have, uh, have come about. And that's because we realized, as we moved into a more energy-sensitive time period that things were tighter, they were sealed up, we just weren't turning the air over, and we were recycling the air that's in our buildings without proper filtration. And you say, well, they do that in submarines. Yeah, but they have proper filter systems for those as well. Our homes aren't a submarine. So I want you to think a little bit about ventilation for your home. If too little air enters a home then the pollutants, if you will, all the things I just talked about, can sometimes accumulate to levels that pose health problems and certainly make us uncomfortable within our house. And one approach to lowering the concentration of these indoor air pollutants is to increase the amount of outdoor air that's coming in. And you're saying, now you're telling me to bring outdoor air in, Ken. I just paid to heat this room, and you want me to bring the 28-degree temperature in from the outside. Well, there are ways that we do that. Outdoor air enters and leaves the house by a couple of different methods. One is infiltration and natural ventilation and mechanical ventilation. Now, infiltration, just to give you a little background, is outdoor air that flows into the house through these openings, we keep trying to close up, but through openings, uh, joints that we have, cracks in walls, floors around your wall outlets, around windows and doors. So all these are areas that every year we work harder and harder to close off, and as a whole, that is a very good thing. We do want to close those off, but that's still a term that's used. In natural ventilation, air moves through open windows and doors, which is why we put these in our homes. But for most of us today, we don't do any more than open a door to come in and out of the house. We rarely open windows in so many parts of the country. But that is just the natural ventilation that we have. And then, of course, there are a number of mechanical ventilation devices that are available from the exhaust hoods And so many of you live in places where your kitchen exhaust hood's not even vented. It's got a charcoal filter and it re-vents. It throws the same air back in the room. It's not going to the outside. The same holds true with our bathroom fans. So a lot of homes, apartments, condos have no mechanical ventilation whatsoever to take air to the outside which is one reason I have always been a proponent of at least venting to the exterior my kitchen hoods and my bath fans to be sure that we are at least exchanging some air and taking some of the old air out from time to time. So these are the three basic methods that we deal with ventilations in our homes. And homes that are, are designed and constructed to minimize the amount of outdoor air that can leak in by the terms I'm just talking, again, offer this potential for a higher level of indoor pollutants, things that can be harmful in some cases to our health. So what I want you to consider, if you happen to have a particular health issue, and especially if you're one of those saying, you know, I don't do so well in my home, but when I'm traveling, I'm I'm visiting with relatives, or I'm off on business trips, or I'm just outside, I feel a whole lot better. And if there are any of you listening to me that say, that's me, then you probably ought to take a serious look at your indoor air quality and whether you have adequate ventilation and how you are filtering the air within your home. Because if you're not bringing any outside or fresh air in, folks, you're breathing the same thing over and over and over again. Is there a way
0: to have your air quality evaluated?
3: Yeah, there are companies out there for almost everything, and there are companies that will come in and do an air quality evaluation. They can tell you uh, the particulates that are in the air and what the makeup is. They can give you some evaluation of that, and they can offer some form of help in terms of recommendations, what you need to do to make, make changes within that. Ashray, which is the American Society of uh, Ventilation and Heating Folks, is a big company. I mean, they're a society of uh, mechanical contractors uh, nationwide, have publications along with the Environmental Protection Agency uh, and so many other agencies that will be helpful to most of us in that regard. But we just don't think about it. We go home and we do the same thing over and over again and we wonder why we're coughing. We're wondering why we have sinus issues. We're wondering why our asthma kicks up when we're at home and we just don't have this when we're in other places. That should be a telltale sign to you that you have an indoor air quality issue. Ventilation is key. And if you have a home, you're saying, I want it extremely tight. How do I deal with this in the winter months especially? I'm heating the air, but I don't want heat the outside there are heat exchangers that can be added to your systems that bring automatically a certain percentage of fresh air into the house it introduces that into your ductwork. it actually before it exhausts the bad air it takes the heat out of it and it brings fresh air in and it uses the heat that came off the bad air to heat the air coming in so that you're not bringing cold air in and heating that these heat exchangers are common on some of the newer units they can be retrofitted and added to older units that are out there and there are also so many filter devices That are available if you happen to have a number of pets or you have a a dusty environment that you may live in. Whether you're looking at uh, something as simple as your basic filters, if you don't change the ones you have in your furnaces, you're creating a health environment for you. If you have uh, the throwaway filters and you're still very sensitive and you need to go as far as a HEPA filter, HEPA filters reduce about 99, I think, 0.8% of the particulates that are in the air. It gives you very pure air within your home. And there are electrostatic filters and so many others. All of these cost a lot more money than the $2 throwaway filter. But, folks, they do a very, very good job. And not everybody needs to spend the kind of money for the most expensive or high-end. But figure out what your health issues are. Ask your local experts how they can help you and whether or not this will solve some of your breathing issues.
0: And for some folks you'll notice, too, that just getting fresh air doesn't always solve everything, because it may be the environment that you live in uh, that's, that's causing some of your problems. I know some folks, and I've had this happen to me when I've had issues with my voice and other stuff, just getting out of where I live and going to the beach or something like that, immediately I feel a difference and sense a difference.
3: And it could be just the amount of pollen in the air where you live. Maybe you live in a dusty environment. You have factories, sawmills nearby, things you can't see, but you're breathing,
0: and you bring that indoors. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. Coming up this hour on Ken the Contractor. and about a half hour, we'll have this week's edition of In the News. And also, Ken will go one-on-one and talk about generators. That's coming up on Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor. you have a question about your home, give Ken a call at 800-614-2975. Or you can drop us an email. Email your questions to KenTheContractor.com. We've got an email right now from KenTheContractor.com, and it's Darren in Topeka, Kansas. And, Ken, he wants you to kind of spell out something that you just happened to mention on one of our recent programs. Yeah, he says, a few weeks ago you mentioned something to add to your house
3: that allows emergency folks to get in without breaking in. says, my aunt lives by herself about 20 miles from my home and this might be something that would give me peace of mind since my wife and I are taking care of her and her home. He so can you talk about this device and tell me how it works? He also goes on, and I appreciate this too, Darren. He says, I just started listening to your show a few months ago on KMAJ, and I'm learning a few things. Thanks. Well, Darren, that's what we're here for. We hope we can help educate you. Believe me, I learn things from the callers, and I hope that I'm informative to you and to everybody else that's listening to us. And we appreciate you listening to our affiliate in Topeka on KMAJ. First, what I talked about was called a Knox box. That's K-N-O-X, a Knox box. And this is not something that you find at your hardware store or your big box uh, you know, store as well. What you're going to find is that you can order these online. There may be some local companies that will sell them. However, you cannot buy one without your local fire department signing an authorization for you. And the reason for that is the fire department controls what's referenced to as a master key, So in your jurisdiction in Topeka, the Topeka Fire Department will have a key that fits every Knox box within their fire call area. And these are highly secured keys. They are controlled in different fashions by the governing authority. They are probably only supervisors within the fire department, the chief and a few others that maintain access to this master key. In some cases, they're locked to the point that it takes special coding by the individual that goes in and out and accesses the key or maybe even a radio signal or tone that's unique to their phone or radio. So they're highly secure. That's one of the questions I've had many people ask me about. But the Knox box is very, very effective. And I'm going to suggest to you that, especially for a caretaker that's remote 20 miles, as you say, from your aunt, that you want to have a Knox box put on, first check with the Topeka Fire Department or those around you, if you're not in their jurisdiction proper, and see if the fire department will not provide these. I know in some areas in Florida and other places, the local fire departments will actually furnish and install a residential Knox box for nothing. Now you're paying for it in your taxes, but the point is you're not having to pay a separate fee. In most cases though, you're gonna to have to buy this. And for residential purposes, these typically start somewhere in a hundred and sixty dollar range, hundred and sixty nine dollars, and they range to about two hundred and forty dollars. It's a one time purchase, there's no licensing fee beyond that. There's no annual maintenance These vary in how they mount. They hang over the top of the door. They'll mount to brick, to block, to siding. They can be embedded in the wall if you're remodeling or building something new so that the box doesn't hang on the outside. They're available in two different colors. They're UL-rated so that people, even if they could figure out a way to steal them, they can't get into them. It's really that simple. And what happens is this Knox box is placed on your home. Then it's logged in with the 911 call center so that for your address, or your business, and it's required around the country for so many businesses, but for your address, if there is a call, the fire department knows, okay, there is a Knox box and it's positioned on the door on the back patio. They show up. Their supervisor's there. They access. They open this up. They get the key to walk into the house. They don't take their hatchet, their axe, their pry bar, and work their way in through breaking open doors and windows. And if there's a a medical issue, they're transporting someone to the hospital that's by themselves, they lock the door back and put the key up when they leave. So it keeps you from scrambling 20 miles away. It's a great device. i put them on some of my relatives' homes in just the last year or so. I've got some other people I'm talking to about those. Highly recommend it. And, again, we thank you for listening on KMAJ
0: in Topeka. And, again, it's called a Knox K-N-O-X box.
3: K-N-O-X, Knox box. You will never find it at a retail outlet. Again, you must have your local fire department
0: sign an authorization and put a key code on it before you can place your order. Our phone lines are open at 800-614-2975. Let's go to the phones right now, and it's Rick who joins us. Hi, Rick, you're on the air with Ken, the contractor.
2: Yes, um, I've got a heat problem, and maybe I've heard different stories. Uh, years ago, I had a heat pump, not a heat pump, but a regular furnace, electric furnace, and since then, I went ahead and put in a, a heat pump about 20 years ago. Well, it's gone it's gone down since then. And pretty much died over the period of the last year or two and I've been told it's kind of history it needs to be replaced. Uh we were hoping not to replace it until the you know, for the air conditioning till uh spring. Uh so having said that, different people have said that well you uh can you can't uh use your old furnace uh until you wind up getting that replaced, because then your heat bill would be outrageous. Well, we used it before we got the, the uh, unit put in, so I was going to check and find out, is that the case, is uh, whether that heat part work still on the uh, uh, heat pump uh, air conditioning unit?
3: Yeah, as long as the blower is working, the fan motor in the air handler then what's happening, what you're describing, is if the heat pump portion is not working at all, then the auxiliary heat strips are coming on. Now, that's electric resistance heat. That is very, very energy inefficient. So what your friends and neighbors are telling you is absolutely correct. It will really drive your light bill sky high. But given your scenario and what you're describing and knowing this, is probably something that you can manage, especially, and you haven't described, but if you happen to have a fireplace or alternative heat sources, that would be beneficial to you. But if you're looking to just get by this winter and you want to put the big bucks into this come the springtime, then you can make this work and have the heat that you need. It will heat your entire house. The auxiliary heat strips are designed to take the place of the heat pump in an emergency when it's an extremely cold situation or when the temperature in your thermostat's more than about three or four degrees variance between the inside of the home and what you're calling for on that thermostat. That's when those kick in, and that's when a lot of people say, hey, it smells like something burning or smoke or whatever. That's the dust and stuff burning off those old heat strips. Very energy efficient. It takes you back to the way heating was made back in the 60s. 60s and 70s, and that's how you're heating your home. That's really your call, and I, I can't tell you that. But if with a heat pump, let's say you normally have a heating uh, uh, an energy bill that might be $150 a month in the winter, uh, you might see that double. You know, who knows? So then you have to decide: is it worth paying an extra $150 a month for three months or four months versus putting that money into a new heat pump system now? And I'd be looking at it that way because very energy efficient. But it is a source of heat for you in an emergency situation. It's going to keep you from freezing.
0: Well, and you have so, Rick, we do appreciate the call. We have so many different options there now, too. I know, folks, uh, it it used to be a fairly fairly simple decision. Okay, we're going to replace the old unit with exactly what we had or a new generation of it. But you've got a lot of folks who are looking at different alternatives before they go ahead and pull the trigger.
3: Well, they do. And in his case, the way he describes this, too, he's already got an old unit. He knows it's energy inefficient, and he needs to replace, in his case, both units. If If I had a new unit in place, let's say that was three years old, it was just out of warranty, too bad for me. I had to go buy one. I just replaced one component or the other. But given the age of his equipment, I couldn't possibly recommend that. So I think it's a budget item with him realizing I'm going to pay so much more for the next few months in energy cost. Do I want to put that into a new system now? And honestly, if it were me, I would probably, and I had no other heat source in the house, and that means now I've got to go buy some unit heaters and which aren't inter- efficient either. I'd probably say, let's just go ahead and look at buying that unit now because here's $600 extra I'm going to pay for heating costs that could go
0: towards this new system. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you start knocking off four or five, six hundred bucks during the course of a heating season and it's not that quickly that you've paid for the new system.
3: No, plus the new equipment since he's operating old is going to be much more energy efficient and it's going
0: to roll back his costs from the previous winter. If you have a question about your home, either inside or out, you can always reach Ken Patterson, Ken the Contractor, at 800-614-2975. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. This is Ken the Contractor along with Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson. I'm Jim Britt. If you'd like to join us, you can reach Ken anytime at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Email your questions to kenthecontractor.com. Friend us on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and also follow us on Twitter at Ken Answers. Time now for this week's edition of One on One with Ken the Contractor. Each week Ken brings you information about products, services, from companies and experts he interviews during his travels, all to make your life better, provide options, and most importantly, to save money. We are pleased to have with us
3: Carissa Gingras.
0: Carissa is
3: with GE Generators, Briggs & Stratton, Marketing Manager. I guess that's actually your technical title.
1: That is a very technical title.
3: And we're going to have you explain that a little more here in just a moment, but welcome to the show today. Thanks, Ken. We're going to be talking about whole house generators. One of the things I want you to do is to make a distinction between the whole house generators and generators because commonly in the marketplace people will say, I'd like a generator for my house, or I've thought about having a generator for my home. How do I go about doing that? First, let's make a distinction in what we're talking about here.
1: Right, so typically we look at two different styles of of generators. One is a portable generator, and portables are very handy if homeowners have just gone through a power outage, a significant storm, and they just really need to sort of save their food in the refrigerator, power just a few things. And then we talk about a standby generator, and that's what we have from GE Generator Systems. We actually create standby, permanently installed generators that go on automatically as soon as the power goes out.
3: So there's no confusion there. If you're looking to power just your freezer and a power outage, that typical generator that we may use as contractors in the field to operate skill saws with, that's fine. Run the extension cord. Never put the generator in your house or in your garage or under an open window. Be sure it's clear of the house. But we're talking about whole house generators. Now, these are systems that many of you asked me about that are fully automated. They will tie into the electrical service. You don't have to touch it. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Within anywhere from 10 to 20 seconds after a power outage, your system will automatically go on, and whatever you're powering with that standby generator, your entire house, all of your appliances go on automatically.
3: So you have two particular systems or units that you want to talk about in terms of the power production, the KW, if you will. Tell us a little bit about those, and then we're going to talk about some versatility with them.
1: And yeah, we're really excited to introduce our 17 and 20 KW units. They're a new design. Um, but what's really exciting about this is it's actually br- groundbreaking airflow technology, and and that's really important to people because essentially what we've been able to do with that is we're actually pushing the CO2 out the front. We're front exhausting the unit, so it hasn't been kind done of in backwards the industry. from
3: what most people think about.
1: A little bit. The exhausts typically are on the sides of the units, where we're actually looking at pushing it out the front. So um, that enables us to put the unit closer to the home. Um, it also allows us to put shrubbery and landscaping on the side of the units. When typically, again, if they if you had the exhaust. On the side, you actually have to stay anywhere from five to ten feet away from shrubbery, so consumers can actually kind of have that blend in a little more with their landscaping.
3: And that's also my understanding. This technology makes this a very quiet unit.
1: Yes, we're actually bending the air as we go through this airflow technology. So the result of that is because we're exhausting out the front and we're bending the air, the air essentially has to go through a couple ninety-degree turns and some loops. Um, it actually, is, we're looking at a twenty-five percent reduction in sound loudness, and we're we're actually hoping that this can be one of the quietest generators of this size on the market.
3: So for those living in subdivisions, especially where there may be ordinances regarding these not being seen, being blocked by landscaping, behind fencing, close to the house, a decibel level that's written in some covenants and restrictions, this would be the generator for them to consider, because it sounds like it's going to meet all kinds of criteria that other systems do not.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's also, you know, it is very consumer-driven. Uh, it's a really good-looking unit. It has a galvanized structure, uh, the enclosure, so it's corrosion-resistant. Um, it also has a slope roof, uh, which typically isn't done. So it don't keeps any snow away. It also pushes the rain away from the foundation. All right, let's
3: talk about capacity, because you mentioned some numbers that may not mean a lot to our listeners. You had a, a 17 and a 20 kW. Equate that to them. Most, most of you listening out there will have an electrical service that's typically 200 amps. You may have a 400 amp service, and if you do, you generally are going to have two sub panels somewhere in the house. Not always, but that is most common residential construction. So a 17 and a, a 20 kW, how will that work? for folks? Let's say first with a 200-amp service.
1: We have 200-amp services for both of those units. We also offer another new product that we're talking about is actually a, a dual 200-amp transfer switch. You mentioned uh, you know, a lot of times people have two 200-amp coming in, service coming into their home.
3: Total 400-amp right. single meter, so you're not confused, but that'll give you two 200-amp panels.
1: And we actually, we've taken that, we've made it easier for the installers by putting that all in one box. So typically, they've actually had to purchase two different transfer switches, each 200-amps. This one is 200-amp inside one box. Makes it easier for them to hang, makes it easier for them to install, quicker
3: so that means there's some type of internal load management system so that you've got a total potential of 400 amps but yet you've got a 200 amp rated generator because i think we all know that it's almost never that we draw that total amount of power at one time and that's motor starting loads all the compressors the oven everything coming on instantly right. there's something in this with new technology that controls that am i correct
1: right absolutely we have um, yeah. symphony 2 power management which is just as you said you know a lot of the codes require that generator to be able to power everything at the same time but we know as as homeowners that typically we don't have everything going on at the same time. What our units allow is it's going to take care of all the things that you want to go on immediately, and then it provides access to other appliances, high-wattage appliances that you might want to manage. So you can actually get a smaller generator. It's less expensive, more affordable, smaller footprint. Uh, We like to say that it powers more for less.
3: Okay, now how is this generator, or any of these, how are they fueled? Are there optional fuel sources? Are they gas? Are they LP?
1: They are either natural gas or liquid propane. It's up to the homeowners to what they have. So any of our generators are actually applicable to both of those.
3: From experience, I can tell you that this is the cleanest burning operation. Requires the least amount of maintenance as far as the engine goes. This should be a clean, burning, very easy-to-maintain generator. And it sounds like it's fully automatic. It's just it's out of sight. It's out of mind. When the power's out, 15, 20 seconds, your power's back on while your neighbors are still in the dark.
1: Exactly. Everybody's just living their life normally inside their home.
3: They'll all be at your house, especially if it were something like a Super Bowl weekend or a special event, NASCAR during the middle of the year, golf tournament, whatever. They may be coming over and, and eating and watching TV with you because they'll have no power. Right. Tell me a little bit about the Briggs & Stratton side of the GE Generator so folks aren't confused. I mentioned both those names when we opened the segment.
1: Sure. We're actually the exclusive licensee of GE Generator Systems at Briggs & Stratton. So we actually, we manufacture, we design design develop all of the GE standby generators. You know, we have a history and a legacy in creating engines, which is an extremely important component of standby generators.
3: Where do folks go if they want to find out more about household generators?
1: Um, they can purchase generators at Home Depot, their exclusive uh, retail partner. We also have a network of authorized dealers where they can get standby generators from GE.
3: Carissa, we appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for all the update and the information on the GE standby generators.
1: Thanks, Ken.
0: Well, you know, a couple of years ago, and I can remember back in the 70s, my dad worked for Black & Decker, and they were one of the first people who made a portable generator for consumer use. We had one during a huge storm when I was living in Connecticut where we had a snowstorm, an ice storm, snowstorm, back to back. We went to school like the first couple of days of the month of December, then didn't go back till after the first of the year. And that generator, as, you know, elementary as it was back in those days, we must have had 15 people living with us at the time, my grandparents and everybody else, because one of the only people who had a generator. You are now predicting that within a very short period of time, A lot of homes are going to be built with their own generators.
3: We already see that in certain parts of the country, especially coastal environments that are susceptible to hurricanes, that home builders are incorporating these. It's never cheaper than incorporating it when the home is under construction because you're not modifying the electrical service, the wiring and other things, and it's properly placed and your fuel source is available in many cases. But I think we will probably see, and it may take us another 10 or 20 years, but we'll see that. You have
0: a question for Ken Patterson about your home, inside or out? You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975 or email your questions to our website, KenTheContractor.com. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Welcome back. You're listening to Ken the Contractor. Ken Patterson is Ken the Contractor. You can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800-614-2975. Or email him questions at Ken the Contractor. Dot com. Time now for this week's edition of In the News. Each week, Ken brings products, trends, tips, and services to you that are important so that you can make informed decisions about your home maintenance, purchases, remodeling, and new construction. This week, Ken, uh, we're dealing with, unfortunately, those folks, those vultures who like to prowl around to take advantage from people when they find themselves in difficult circumstances.
3: You know, and they exist 12 months out of the year. They travel around the country, many of these people, and follow an event, a weather event, a disaster that has impacted your home and uh, your office buildings, and we're seeing all kinds of warnings, whether you're in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Delaware, Virginia, West Virginia, it doesn't matter where you are right now, especially because of the recent hurricane and the snow and the severe damage that's occurred, and that's basically these gypsy contractors, the scam artists, are following the storms. So many of you have seen this in the Midwest and the West Coast, and it's just a fact of life, unfortunately. And so i want to take a moment and touch on some of these warnings and cautions that we remind you of, that the press, the various local governments are. I want to hit on these one more time because... When we are hurting, when we're suffering, when we have damage to our home, when we have no power, when we're living in our car, folks, we want to do whatever we need to do to make life whole again, to be back under the shelter that we've come accustomed to and the security of our home. Sometimes we make irrational decisions and we find people that are ready to take our dollars and run somewhere else with them. So first we want to talk a little bit about the repair scams that are out there. There are also charity scams. I'm going to touch on that briefly. But on the repair scams here in the news, you want to beware, by all means, beware of what so many people refer to as these fly-by-night or gypsy opportunists who are going to come into these various states from outside the area because they're going to be looking to get their hand in your pocket. They may have a good offered to you, that we're going to be able to do this, this, and this. We can do it rapidly. All we need is X amount of cash. You give us this right now. We're really busy. We're in your neighborhood. We'll take the trees down. We'll put shingles back on your roof. We'll replace your doors, your windows, whatever has been damaged in this storm. They're going to do it right now. They're going to tell you what you want to hear. They're going to be smooth talkers, and they're going to leave you feeling really good about the event that just took place. Until you find out next Tuesday when they promise to be there, or tomorrow morning, and nobody shows up, and you're out two, three, five, ten grand, you are not going to be a happy camper. Beware of these folks. And the way you challenge them is first you want to learn whether or not they are a licensed and insured contractor or specialty trade to do the work or the service that they're offering. And you can do this by asking them to provide that information And you may not have power, you may not even have a home, but I encourage you, I implore, you need to go someplace where you've got computer access or telephone access, and you can call the licensing board in your jurisdiction, find out if this is a valid contractor. You can also call the insurance company on the certificate that they give you because you don't want to do any business without a written contract having the, the fee in writing and also with a certificate of insurance and you want to verify those because it's so easy for scam artists to produce all these things that look official that really are not. Those are some very key items. When you're hiring a contractor, you need to be absolutely sure. That they to do emergency work or whatever, that they're carrying liability insurance and comp insurance. Because some of these people are not just looking to take your money. They're looking for a place to file an insurance claim, claim a personal injury for themselves or some of their work crew. And, folks, if they can file this and they can prove this in court, that they were actually doing some work for you, and they don't have a workers' compensation policy, in most states you are liable for that individual, for their health care, for the emergency care. And if they're disabled for life, you could be penalized, and you and your insurance company could be held liable for that. Don't get caught up in trying to get back in something so fast that you make these very, very serious mistakes. Never provide cash for an entire deal up front. At most, it would be common in some environments to to pay maybe 25 to no more than 30% up front where you've got special order items. I'm even reluctant to do that. I'll tell you very candidly. So I'm not encouraging you to do that. Any legitimate contractor has the financial wherewithal to sustain their business and to do what they need to on your behalf to do the work, to do it correctly, and then collect from you. I'd be very reluctant to put cash up front. And don't pay cash in the first place. Use a check. And don't go giving people your credit card numbers over the phone or over the Internet for them to say, yeah, we'll come out and we'll do this tomorrow. We'll be there next Monday. Those are absolutely some no-nos. Chances are you will never have that work done, and you're going to be out some big dollars. And I know many of you are desperate, but you need to back up just a moment and take a deep breath and find the right kind of help to take care of your needs and don't make a bad situation even worse. Now, one other thing you need to be aware of, and that also deals with the – charity scams that exist out there today. And I know we've heard this over and over again, but I feel compelled to remind you one more time that these so many charities and pop-up charities that really are not legit, and there are so many wonderful and valid charities that are out there to help. I don't want to discourage you from contributing to any of those at all. But on this In the News segment, before donating to a charity, I want you to find out whether the charity is registered first in your state to even solicit funds, because some of the local charities are not. They take those monies and they go somewhere else if they're semi-legitimate. I'll put it like that. Also, you want to know what their cause is. Where's the money going? Is it helping your neighborhood? Is it helping your friends and relatives? You might live out of state. Is this going there, or is it going to some general fund across the country? If you are like I am, and when you donate money, you like to know who is helping and You want to see some effects from that. You want to know those dollars really come back to help the people you want to assist. And my hat's off to all the wonderful charities and volunteers and workers that are there. But they're not unlike contractors. There are many legitimate contractors all over this nation that work hard for you. But unfortunately, in both charities and construction, there are some unscrupulous people that want to take advantage of you when you're in the greatest need that you will have probably in your lifetime. You just want to be careful about that.
0: And I would think if you're looking at one rule of thumb, And I hope I don't offend, I don't know if there are many door-to-door salesmen left, but if somebody shows up at your front door trying to sell you something, I'm going to be exceedingly leery, whether it's the guy pulling up who tells me about he was just someplace and they got this meat left, and particularly in this type of circumstance, I'm assuming that most reputable contractors are swamped with business. They don't need to be poking around your neighborhood to find Yeah, chances
3: are you're going to have to dig around to find one rather than have them come to your door, because you're right. If they're licensed, if they're insured, even if they're working on your neighbor's house next door, chances are pretty good they're not going to bang on yours and say, oh, by the way, would you like to do this? Because they're covered up there and in other places. What you may find is that's a good source, though. If you've got somebody doing good, honest, legitimate work next door across the street, you may want to go find out who the contractor is and talk to them. Can I bring you on board to take care of my needs as well? That works far better than than somebody banging on your door just saying, oh, we're in the neighborhood for just a couple of days. We can take care of this for you. Yeah. Be leery.
0: Particularly if they've got their equipment with them and something else. And that's usually the way the scam goes. You know, we're, we're sealing asphalt. We've got this on the back of the truck. We're ready now. And whether you're cleaning up or you've got a remodeling project to do this weekend, always a good time to remember to look for that Made in the USA label.
3: It's so easy to find today because the label's not only on many of the boxes and containers that our products come in, but they're also posted on the shelves. Just look for the little American flag. Let me assure you, as a builder and contractor, we're doing our part. We encourage our friends and neighbors and fellow builders to do the same thing, to buy products made in America, to keep the dollars in this country, and to keep Americans working locally. That dollar comes back to pay us all off
0: more times than a few. That's right. So be cautious with who you elect to spend your money with and as always, look for that Made in America label whenever you can find it. That'll wrap up this hour of Ken the Contractor, the program where folks come for professional answers. If you have a question about your home, inside or out, you can always reach Ken at 800-614-2975. That's 800- 614-2975 or lots of valuable home improvement information online at our website. That's at KenTheContractor.com and you're listening to Ken The Contractor. You've been listening to Ken the Contractor. Every weekend at this time, Ken the Contractor, Ken Patterson is here taking your calls. Don't forget you can friend Ken on Facebook at Ken the Contractor and follow him on Twitter at Ken Answers. And if you're looking for home improvement information at any time, go to KenTheContractor.com.